Father, we just thank you again for this this evening. Lord, I just thank you um, that when you give us visions and you guide us and lead us, Lord, you help us to see it through. And so, Lord, you gave me a vision for this, and you gave me um, a heart for, for this ministry. And, Lord, I just pray that um, you would help each of us to come together in one, in you, Lord, that we would have unity, that we would know that we are all related because of you. And again, if there's ladies that don't know you in this room, Lord, they can be as family as well by receiving you, Lord. And so we just give you this time, Lord, speak through me, through your word, use me as your vessel, Lord. We thank you that you are so good and you love each and every one of us. You made us, you formed us well in our mother's womb, Lord. We're unique and that's exactly how you wanted us to be. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So if you brought your Bibles, we are going to be in Ephesians 4 tonight. Um, just chapter 4. So with the vision, the Lord gave me a vision for women's ministry in my 20s, but it wasn't time yet. It wasn't my time. Now I'm almost 40. I'm 39. Um, and he's just been working in me. And I am not, he's not done with me. Yay. <laughs> so we're all a work in progress. But through that, he's given me vision for just having more unity with the ladies and having tables where we sit around and we just, we're studying together. But there's no segregation. There's no separation. We're not divided because of people groups. We're not divided because of ages. We're not divided because one lives in Writing Springs, another lives in Arabic. We are one. And so um, because of Christ, we are one because of Christ. We're not one. Obviously, we're different continents, too. I love it. Anna, my friend, is from Colombia. So that's so awesome. And we have Australia. <laughs> huh? <laughs> well, I mean that. Yeah, and anybody else that's from another country, that's that's cool. I was born here in California, haven't gone far. Um, but we are one in Christ. And so that's the, the vision of women's ministry is to be one in Christ, united together, to gather. The Lord kept putting the word gather in my heart to just gather. And so I was thinking of flowers and thinking of things that you, they're all different. They're all intricate. They're all unique. But he puts them together and they make beautiful bouquets. And so maybe you're a, a flower and you feel like you're an odd flower, like you're missing petals or um, your stem's crooked or whatever. But in the hands of the master, you're beautiful. And he made you that way. And so <laughs> tonight I've been having some troubles with me, with my um, personally, with some stuff. And so, you know, but the Lord knows and he's going to use it. And so I get to be a part of the bouquet. So you all are welcome, and you're here to be a part of the bouquet. So let's start in uh, Ephesians 4. We're just going to go through um, 1 through 6. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, enduring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is no, sorry, there is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So, oneness right there throughout 
that, um, that section of scripture. So the, the person who wrote this is Paul. And most of you probably know who Paul was, but Paul was an apostle. But we know about Paul before he was apostle. He thought he was doing what was right in God's eyes. And he actually was separated himself from Jesus. He was persecuting Christians because he thought that was the right thing to do. And so Paul was um, on his road to um, Damascus when the Lord appeared to him and showed him that he was doing what was wrong. And so in a sense, there was enmity between him and God. And so through that conversion, through Paul, uh, Saul, his name was Saul and Paul, um, he uh, became an apostle. And so an apostle is one, a delegator, a messenger, one sent forth with orders, an ambassador of Christ. Only certain people are called apostles. Not everybody were saints in Christ, but we're not apostles. There were the, cho- the, the 12, um, and Paul was one of those, um, in addition. So we won't get into all the technical. I'm sure you guys have heard all this, but that was, that's who Paul is. He was writing this, and he's writing it to the Christians in Ephesus, so these are the believers in Ephesus, but he's, he's talking to them because they're not doing things the right way. And so this also, as a Christian, this is to us as well. And so um, Paul is exhorting them, telling them, to, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. He's telling, this is to us too, are you walking worthy? Are you walking worthy of the call? So what is the call? The call is... It's uh, in the Greek, it's klesis. It's an invitation, a call to a feast, the divine invitation to embrace salvation in the kingdom of God. That's a pretty cool invitation. It's not just a birthday party around the corner. This is an invitation to the wedding feast with Jesus. And so those of us that have chosen to accept Jesus, we have that open invitation to him. And so because of that invitation, we should be, we should be acting like it. We should be walking in it. And it's hard. We're obviously going to fall and stumble. But he's telling us this is what it should look like. And so I I'm, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Don't forget who you are. You're God's. And you have a purpose. And you have a call. So how do you do this? He says, with all loneliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. So the lowliness, it's having a humble opinion of yourself. Not priding around, being prideful, thinking I'm greater than any, because we're not. We're all here, we're all on the same playing field. No one's better than anyone. We're different vessels, different gifts for the Lord, but no one's better or higher than anybody. And so realizing a, a true, humble opinion of yourself, humility, being humble. He goes on to say gentleness. When you look it up, gentleness looks like meekness. It's the same. And so meekness doesn't ever mean weakness. I know when I was younger, before I knew what the word meekness was or meek, I thought it meant weakness. Like, you're just weak if you're meek, but that's not true. It's power under control. So often we want to take our power that we have and we get upset with people and we physically want to use that power sometimes or with our words. But that's not how we're supposed to act as Christians. We are to have that lowliness, knowing who we are, seeing ourselves as a true estimate of who we really are, and then having that gentleness, that meekness with long-suffering. Long-suffering is hard. Has anyone achieved long-suffering perfectly? (laughs) 
Not I. I have six kids, and I feel like every time I pray for patience, I got pregnant again. <laughs> so it's kind of a joke in our house because I love all my kids, and I wanted more, but I quit praying for patience <laughs> because it was like, you know what? I'm not going to ask for that. Like I've, I've also prayed, Lord, keep me humble, and then things happen. I'm like, oh, don't pray for those things. Just <laughs> ask the Lord to give you strength through those moments. But long-suffering is patient in spite of troubles usually caused by others. So being patient with them, those, that person that wrongs you, being patient with them regardless of what they've done to you. Not complaining. I struggle with that. I feel like an Israelite all the time. You know, why manna? I want this. I want that. What about the leaks back home? And, but we can't. We, we shouldn't be complaining. And so doing this also is bearing... Um, with all lowliness, gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. So to bear with one another, to hold up, to sustain, to endure, to bear with. Come alongside those people instead of complaining and saying, man, I wish you got it better. I wish, you know, I'm worthy of the call. Are you walking worthy of the call? You know, instead, be patient and, and bearing with one another in that. So... Um, he goes on in, in verse 3, in endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. So endeavoring to keep the unity, being diligent. Are we being diligent to really try to keep that peace with one another? And I speak this too to myself because I struggle with certain people in my life. There's, you know, we're, we're always, no matter where we go, but especially in the church, it feels like there's friction, right? There's people that don't like uh, being in women's ministry, the leader, a lot of times I get people, they don't like what I, my decisions I'm making. They don't want me to do this. They don't like that. They complain. They, and they just, you know, it's nitpicking. And um, when we do that to one another, it really, it doesn't build up. It just breaks down. And then it makes you feel like you start questioning even the Lord's voice because people don't like you um, or your choices. But if we would stop and just bite our tongue and ask the Lord, you know, how can I, Give me the strength to endure through this or endeavor um, because we need to. We need to be diligent, even exerting oneself to do so. Usually when we're um, endeavoring, it's not an easy task. I always ask my husband, why is it this hard? (laughs) It never feels like it gets easier. It just feels like it's just this pressure, but we're called to do it. Um, Sometimes we just don't want to do it because it's just not easy, but we must for the sake of unity. And so I know that there's probably people in the room that you guys have, you know, we all have stuff with somebody and maybe somebody's already come to mind, but how can we work to try to keep that unity of the spirit? So as women, we, we have a lot of great qualities the Lord's put in us, but we also can be, you know, behind each other's back or, you know, well, I'm not really gossiping, you know, I would tell them to their face, (laughs) but do the other people need to know about it? You know, how are we trying to work on it? How are we trying to keep the peace? Because there is, um, as he says in four, there is one body. And so it's basically when we're hurting other people, we're hurting ourselves. We're cutting our own arm. We're, you know, stabbing ourselves because we're one body and one spirit. So what is unity? If, if we're all supposed to be one, what does this really look like? And I was pondering, I was thinking, because the uh, Webster's, you know, has um, 
some good translations sometimes of definitions, sometimes not. But um, it said the quality or state of not being multiple. So again, back to like flowers, if you're, you're one flower all by yourself, it's, you're pretty. But when you have the fellowship and you come together, it just looks so much better. You know, it just adds to it. And the same as the body. If we had missing parts everywhere, we wouldn't be complete. You know, if your kidneys, both kidneys are missing, you can't function. You can't live. You can live with one. Um, and so really trying to look at the oneness of that. So a condition of harmony is another um, another way to put it. Condition of harmony. One accord. And I think about it like when we do the girl band. There's We have multiple voices, but we try to blend as one. So one's not trying to take, we call it taking a piece, a bigger piece of pie. When you're doing worship or music together, you don't want half the pie. You're supposed to equally be a part of it so it's one. So people can't go, oh, wow, I hear, you know, you can hear them, but they're supposed to blend. That's the harmony. That's the beauty of it. Um, and that's how we should be as women in the body of Christ. And our homes. That goes along with our homes. So there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. As we're one, because we're multiple, we can be there for each other. Like tonight, I couldn't have done this, like putting things together, if I didn't have the ladies to help. You know, Tanner doesn't come up here, do all the worship by himself, do the sound, run in the back, make coffee, go to the children's ministry, go downstairs, do high school and junior high. He's, he couldn't. So he has to, yeah, as he leads and shepherds, he has to have those helpers. He has to have those willing people to be a part. And if they're bickering and complaining and saying, I don't like the way you're doing stuff or <laughs> whatever, he's not going to be able to fully um, focus. So um, five, one, so hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. So really throughout that, you see just unity over and over one, everything, it's all points to one. It all points to Jesus. And that's how we're able to do this. So the question is how, how do we get along with everybody? How do we make this unity happen? So it's obviously putting aside our differences, putting aside those things that you don't like about, um, I was going to say Susie. I'm not literally meaning Susie. We have a Susie, but she's not here. But whatever you don't like about, you know, <laughs> Joni or whoever, putting it aside instead of having one purpose in Christ. And it's the same in marriage, because if we complain and bicker to one another, then you know, how are we going to enjoy our marriage? So putting aside our differences for the sake of peace. I don't know about you, but I like when my house is peaceful. And I like when I come here and I'm not dredging seeing a person like, oh, I hope I miss that person. Oh, I hope they're not here. Like instead having a heart check with that. So as we're one and we're called as believers in Christ, he makes us one. So putting aside those things, um, but the biggest thing is through prayer. And I, of course, whenever you're going to study something and teach something, you get to walk through it before. So um, you get to eat your words and, <laughs> and all that beforehand. But even for myself, there is a person that I struggle with in my life because there's been some challenges and she wants her way. And I think I don't like your way. And, you know, so we have these disagreeances. But the reality is 
It's bigger than that. And, and the reality is, too, is we don't war or wage against flesh and blood. My, my enemy is not her. My enemy is Satan. So we can together squash him under our feet in Christ. So putting, if we can see ourselves like that and see one another like that. And I always say, don't forget where you came from because before Christ, we were, we were separated from him. So we need to pray for God to help us when we have those, those difficult people, whether it's in our home or at church or um, at school or work. Pray for us. Because a lot of times we want to pray for them, <laughs> but a lot of times it's us that we have to pray for that God would give us a heart um, to not critique them, but a heart to love them. And how can I love them, even if it's from a distance? Because there's definitely times there's people in my life that I can't necessarily make amends with or, or work on. Um, I've forgiven them, but I can't verbally have because it's not healthy. And so there's obviously those situations as well. Um, but if you're dodging that person all the time, then probably something's going on inside your heart. And so um, I'm going to look at 2 Timothy, if you guys want to go there with me. It's a repeating pattern. Paul was talking to um, to Timothy. These letters were to Timothy, the younger, um, like a son to him. But Timothy's church, you know, there where he was ministering was was struggling with this as well. This has been a forever issue of quarrels in the church and separation, a need for unity. Um, so 2 Timothy 2.23, uh, Paul tells Timothy, avoid, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife, period. That's it. They generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. So if we're busy complaining and like nitpicking with everybody, how are we going to be able to gently work with those people? Or, or even if they need a correction, how can we gently do that if we're like, you know, upset with them and whatnot? But that's all it does is cause a strife. And that's what Satan wants. He wants that strife between everybody. So... I like to say to my husband when we don't agree, because my husband, he knows this. He always says, he has to be right. I don't know. And he thinks, I, I feel like I have to be right. I don't know who's right in that. But um, I always say, let's agree to disagree. And then he doesn't like that I say that, because he says, that's so cliche, but it's true. I'd rather let's just agree that we don't agree. It's okay, and move on. Um, nobody has to win. There is, you know, if you're competitive, sorry play monopoly or something um there's no point in arguing and and having disputes of all that uh and then romans 12 18 if it is possible as much as depends on you live peaceably with all men beloved do not avenge yourselves, but rather give peace or give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. That's a big order right there, right? If your enemy is hungry, go and feed them. After they just got done doing something to you, you don't have that flesh. Your flesh doesn't want to, but in the spirit, you can. And that's, again, through prayer. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. 
For in so doing, you will heap a coal, <laughs> coals of fire on his head. And I remember thinking that, like, okay, <laughs> there's a good thing at the end. Like, it's like heaping coals. No, it's not what that means. <laughs> Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So obviously this, and this is in Romans, like this is a repeated thing going on in the body, in the church, throughout history of people quarreling. But we know where it truly comes from. We know it's Satan's, you know, his vices to try to get people to, um, to fight with one another. And then there's John 13, 35. And this one, this one is good. Not that the other ones aren't, but this one is, I try to think about that when I have a bad attitude. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So not the fake like, oh, you know, but really loving one another and being there to to help one another and comfort one another. Um, and I know in my own experience, there's been so many times where people, I thought that we were struggling in our friendship. Like I thought they were upset with me or I was upset with them for something, but I didn't feel like I could talk to them about it. And then you finally sit down and you talk about it and you realize there was nothing even going on. Or what you thought was upsetting them, or why you were upset they weren't they didn't even do. So there there's just so much lies hidden underneath. And um I don't want to mess up the quote, but my husband says it a lot. Um the truth is so important that it's hidden by a bodyguard of lies. And so I I didn't say it right, but the point of it is, you know, it's so important. The truth is truth is truth. And we get it from here. So it, it's so important. But it's so many times it's, we think things are worse or we think things about each other or one another. And, and really it's not, it's not even so. So we know how to deal with that, though. If your brother offends you, you need to go to him and talk with him. And again, there's times you can't. I get it. There's times where you can't because it's dangerous or unhealthy. Or, but then you go to the Lord, not to one another, but go to the Lord in prayer for that person. Um, so with that, um, we just need to pray. We'll pray now for unity. And I just want to ask each of you where you're sitting, just spend a couple minutes in prayer. And if there's somebody that God put on your heart right away, like you need to work with them, you need to talk with them or, or even between you and the Lord. Cause that was, that was something I didn't touch on, but Paul did not have unity with Christ before. And so if Right now, you're struggling with the Lord with something, and you don't have that unity, then this is a time, too, for you to get right with the Lord. And whether it's confessing your sin, or you're struggling with something with the Lord because he hasn't answered something, or, um, or you don't like the answer that he's given you, then spend a few minutes in prayer over that. Or, like I said, it's somebody um, that you need to at home or school or work. Um, so let's pray. Father, we just lift up um, our lives to you, and we ask, Lord, that you would you would examine us, that you would examine our hearts, Father. You know exactly what's inside. You tell us that the heart is desperately wicked, and who can know it? Lord, there's so many things that can go deep down in our heart for some reason, and we don't even see it. We don't even know we're walking about our lives. But, Lord, I pray that you would stir those things up and reveal those things to us, Lord, and not because you want us to, to be crushed 
or condemn, but because you want us to be clean. And so I just ask that you would touch each of the women and myself, Lord, that you would help us to, um, to just be real with you and real with each other. And that if there is anybody that we need to um, go to, Lord, and apologize or, or say, I, I was offended, then I pray that we would do that and that you would reveal. Lord, we love you and just so grateful, Lord, that we have your word because your word shows us every single thing. And even in the gray areas, Lord, of our lives, we can still decipher because we know your characteristics and we know who you are. And I pray right now for anybody in this room, Lord, any, um, any lady that doesn't know you, maybe she's um, been on the, the fence, not sure if she wants to trust you or wants to come to you. She's afraid. She doesn't know what she would have to give up or she's afraid of the future. Lord, I pray that you just stir her heart, Father, that she would know that you are a good God and you have plans for good and sometimes to get to that good there's ugly to get there lord but you use it all all for good to those that love you and are called according to your purpose so lord i just pray that you would stir hearts right now and um convict us where we need conviction encourage us where we need to be encouraged we just thank you in jesus name amen